This is episode number 125 with Nico Nurpchen. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. Did you know that apparently 70% of digital transformations fail? That's a very big number. And this number, which has been floating around for a while, was before COVID and the last 18 months. So let's add uncertainty, disruption, and crisis into the mix, and what do we get? More failure. Most of the companies we speak with are either in the middle of transformation projects or are getting prepared to start right now. So how can we help? Well, in this episode, Nico and I are going to unpick why so many transformations fail, what you can do about it, like, for instance, how you can help your organization become more data-driven. And we're also going to hear about how Olympus is attracting Gen Z talent to help fast-track digital transformation. Nico has had a distinguished career in supply chain management and has worked through numerous areas of the industry before becoming SVP of Global Supply Chain Management at Olympus Corporation. We all know that digital transformation can be complex, it can be daunting, and expensive. That's why it's imperative that they're done right. I'm looking forward to this chat, so let's get started. Hi Nico, welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here with us. Hi Maria, thanks for having me. So here we are, we're going to be talking about a number of different things. I mean, you guys are doing quite a lot. I want to talk to you about how has the last year been for you in terms of supply chain disruption and, you know, the chaos that the world has been going through? How has that affected you? Challenging, I think, as for for most of the people in supply chain, um, besides all the disruptions what we see from the market, um, we we are very heavily working on on our transformation program, carving out uh, parts of the business. So that's all coming together in the last um, two, three years. And um, it creates quite a lot of challenges, but as well, quite a lot of fun. Um, as you can directly see um, um, how we can use the transformation to overcome uh, some of the challenges what we are currently seeing. So here's, here's maybe a controversial opinion about transformation, because I remember when we got started a couple of years ago, People would ask me, well, what's your definition of transformation? What does digital transformation mean to you? And it was so different. You could probably get so many different executives in a room and it would mean different things to them. So let me ask you, what does digital transformation mean for to you? For me, it is scaling up um, process changes and um, improvements, what you have in your, what you can reach in your organization, but, but helping to scale this up um, based on some parts of transformation is, is, is integration um, based on systems. But on the other hand, it is as well um, a, a very heavy need for having the right capabilities um, on, on, on our peoples using digitalization, using tools, using information, um, and, and making sure that we can gain better insights, for instance, and, and uh, change our processes based on information, what we gain based on better connection of our systems and so on. So 100% agree, it has several aspects. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And I think I love the way that you've correctly identified that it isn't just about systems and technology, is it? It's about uh, you know processes and people. Why, why do you think in general, in general, transformation projects fail? Or, is not, or perhaps are not as successful as people expect? One general thing is change management. Um, mm at the end, you need to make sure that what I just mentioned, you, you, that you have the right people on board 
who handles it. It makes no sense to create a Ferrari, but everybody is is used to drive a, I don't know, a Volkswagen Golf. Um, then mm -hmm. you cannot use it, right? Um, and um, if you are not, if, if your focus is not um, on these, on this, on those basics, um, create capabilities, then transformation and especially digitalization will fail. And another one, what I think is very, very important, what we all know, but sometimes a bit ignore, is um, having the right data in place and the right master data in place. Um, without having this, it's very difficult to connect and it's very difficult to really go forward uh, to to use information better. You know, everybody I talk to says the same thing about data. You know, I, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't recognize that data is a at the core of any kind of transformational change or building of resilience and so forth. Yet it seems to be an elusive goal. You know, it seems to be, you know, something that people can't grasp. Is it, is it down to other priorities perhaps being more important? Is it down to a mindset thing, you know, not having the kind of data-driven uh, business from a mindset, cultural perspective? Is it down to, uh, it's too complex, you know? So, so what, what's the reason for it? A bit of a mix of, of, of all the things that you just mentioned. I think one is, is indeed that it is too complex, that it is very difficult to grasp um, for, for people who need to do a decision about budgets. Um, the other thing is that um, it is just in the background. So it is, not, it is not transparent and you cannot, maybe that's too pessimistic spoken, but you cannot win stars on your shoulder um, when you mm. clean up your data. Right? So there's no less, let's say, um, intrinsic motivation for the people to, to focus on, on, on master data and, and put, put money on, on our budget to this. Maybe it's also not glamorous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Maybe maybe that's what it is. Nobody wants to be doing it. Maybe data is the dirty work. I mean, it sounds awful to say it. It's fundamental, right? It's fundamental to any success. I don't know any decision maker that can make any decisions with flawed data or no data, but yet we yeah. do. I agree. 100% agree. It's not, um, it's not glamorous. Um, and maybe it is, uh, I try to explain it to my people every time a bit like, like an insurance. Mm -hmm. um, you need to decide um, if you want to have an insurance. Um, you, you will definitely know um, when it was a mistake not to have one. And it's the same um, <laughs> investment in, in, in master data, for instance. Mm, I agree. Do you think that there's more that um, organizations can do to get their people to be more data-driven? Or maybe it's not up to the organizations. Maybe it's consultants. Maybe it's uh, universities. I don't know. Who, who can help companies shift their employees to be more data-driven? Creating examples. Um, mm. I think fundamentally, the younger, the younger generation has a, has a certain mindset for, for data and, and, and that, that you need to think more in processes and in organizations and functions and so on. I think this, this has changed based on, on, on um, what, what, what people learn university, for instance, currently. And, and data, they are more working with, with electronic devices than, than every, every one of us before. So I think um, basically they are, they are open to this. Um, what we need to make sure is um, to, create, to create good examples, to create good use cases um, and mm -hmm. use these use cases to, um, to ensure that people understand how important it is and, and what we can reach um, finally with it. 
So what what initiatives? I mean, you talked a little bit now about um, about younger generations, right? What what initiatives are you guys working on over there at Olympus to attract the new Generation Z or whatever they're called these days uh, in a world of changing workforce priorities, right? I'm I'm not such a big fan of this generation segmentation. Um, I think you have uh, for sure there are some stereotypes that you can find um, every time. Um, basically, I think you need to work with the people directly to understand their individual needs. Um, and, and you can see in, in, in all the different generations um, need for more for more freedom at work. But, but you see as well as somebody who, who is just going from five to nine, no, from nine to five uh, to work and, and, and after this is focusing on the private life to make it more more interesting for the people. Um, of course, we can learn quite a lot from the from the big um, companies like Google and so on, who create very mm -hmm. open um, workspaces. Um, a lot of again freedom freedom for the people to work where they are, where they want. Um, we currently focus intensively on creating um, new offices, um, making sure that there is much more space for collaboration, um, much more space for as well. Sometimes just sitting um, in a in a nice um, mm. like garden um, uh, environment yeah environment yeah. and and um, and yeah mix a bit between feeling good um, and do some some creative and good work that's very that's very important and, and I mean COVID has learned us as well quite a lot of things how we need to work with the new um, challenge working from home um, and this is what every one of us need to support much more yeah I mean it's it's funny. I mean, if, if you think back in your career, if I think back in my career 10, 15 years ago, right? I mean, the things that we do now, like working from home, like having sort of flexible work environments, uh, allowing people to fail. I mean, it, it's just not what what I've learned in business school. It's I bet you not what you learned. So do you think we're having to unlearn some things to create the future? Definitely. It's maybe a bit very specific example, but um, especially here in Japan, how people were managed um, earlier on was like, you just watched them how they work. Mm -hmm. And based on watching them how they work, you said, this is a good work or this is not a good work. Um, and it's maybe different in, or maybe same in, 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 uh, in other cultures as well, at least a bit. So this has to change in a, in a virtual environment. We don't see people working. Besides that, it's not the right way to, to judge if, if, a, if a work is good or not, right? But, but this has yeah. to change. We cannot yeah. see it. We need to eat much more based on goals, uh, based on concrete, um, concrete uh, achievements, um, what, we have, um, what we have agreed to. So let's talk a little bit about, you guys were just recently nominated uh, at Olympus you know, to be on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index for the first time this year. What kind of stuff have you been doing to be recognized as a sustainable organization? I mean, same as, as quite a lot of companies are doing. We're working on diversity. We are working on better understanding about our footprint, um, how we can reach um, carbon dioxide neutrality. Um, we, 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 we changed the view and understanding and setting concrete goals, uh, for instance, mm -hmm. for this. Um, and, and ESG, so it's called in our company, is, is part mm -hmm. of our strategy and is one, one very concrete part um, what we put in the strategy and then break down for the different um, areas of the organization. We are not perfect in this. We are learning as well as, as, as most of the other companies are doing, but we are very happy to be nominated um, for the sustainability index. And we will further on work on this. Do you think that that's going to be something that is going to be fundamentally part of your 
strategy moving forward? Uh, yes. And will that have an impact? And what kind of impact is that going to have on every aspect of the supply chain? It definitely will have an impact. Um, when, when thinking about our customers, most part of our business, uh, you know, of our business is business to business. So we are not so much um, related mm. to, to end customers. So there are, are, um, are other companies who, who see an effect or reaction of the end customer much stronger than we see. Um, but for us, it's as well, um, we, we have a lot of tender, um, government tender. So if you are not fulfilling um, basic requirements, or I think in the future as well, more and more advanced requirements, then you are not allowed to take part in these tenders. Um, so it, mm -hmm. will, it will definitely have not only an environmental impact and um, a, a impact to your, to, your, to your own people and to the people we are working for, it will have as well a financial impact to the company. So that's why I'm 100% sure that it is part of the strategy and must be much, much more part of the strategy. And for supply chain especially, we need to focus much more to have our network under control. This is a very, very strong link with risk management. Yeah. Um, how we, yeah, getting control of the network, doing the right decisions, but then measure as well and um, see how we can improve. Carbon dioxide is one type, uh, one part, um, all the packaging stuff is, is, is another one. How we change the lightnings in our um, production sites or in the warehouses, all these tiny little things. There are much more, for sure. Yeah, that, that, that does make sense. Uh, what is your key priority for 2022 on onwards? We, we, run, a, we run a big supply chain transformation. Um, yeah. We started with new organization. Um, we, we started with quite a lot new process a lot of new processes um, and we we now are directly on the on the beginning of, of um, implementing new supply chain software to support um, stronger integration between all the different regions um, the different functions and that's one of the key areas for um, for this year um, to start this off um, we, we selected the right partners um, for us and, and now um, start this off that's one of the key areas and then make sure that it fits perfectly together um, with the process and with the capabilities of our people to handle important issues like semiconductor shortage, um, further yeah. COVID impacts. Um, that's um, for sure what will keep us awake as well in the, in the next business year. I don't think anybody has the answers to that. I mean, we're all sort of living this together, aren't we? You know, we don't know where the next disruption is coming, but I think we can be sure that the next disruption is coming. Do you think that that has fundamentally changed sort of the way that supply chain people think about supply chain, the way that supply chain people or businesses in general need to, uh, number one, think about their strategy. Number two, think about the, um, the skill sets they need within the their supply chains or what we can you and I can only talk about I guess the supply chain function but let, let's talk a little bit about the skill set of people you know uh, what was important when you were first starting has that changed to what's important today if this would not have changed um, then we yeah that would have been bad yeah. anymore in the business <laughs> yeah you're right on, on one hand, as um, the disruptions what we see currently, for me, um, it has accelerated how we need to change in supply chain and, and what we need to do in supply chain. So um, even before COVID and so on, we were thinking about more integration, more digitalization and so on. But now the pressure was much, much higher to do this. So and if you 
if you didn't have the right mindset before, then maybe it's difficult to have the right mindset mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely um, the companies who have changed um, and, and, and even stronger focus on this or even was prepared already in those directions, um, for them it's much more easy now in, in, in the current environment. So yes, it has, it has changed, um, but mainly I think in, in direction of accelerating the needs um, to integrate, make more transparent, um, have more digitalization. So I guess going back to my question about skill set, then the, the, the skill set that you guys are looking for that you, that is needed now will probably be people with more understanding of digital technology, data, uh, um, and as well as perhaps talking about just in general skill sets, adaptability, right? Flexibility. Mm-hmm. Is that would that be a good summary or would you add to that? No, it's a good summary. It's um, and, and maybe a bit in other words and, and in my words, but it's, it's, it's mindset. Um, it's, yeah. it's having a very open mindset um, is switching much more to a, to a process driven view, um, understanding mm-hmm. what happens before and after your, your own work and, and, and how does it impact how to use data to get information about status of your supply chain and how to use it. That's a completely different skill, but people not so much had. So the, the typical analyst, um, what, what everybody is talking about, that's a skill what we not only need to hire special analysts, but what we need to make sure that, that um, quite a lot of people in supply chain planning, for instance, need to have um, mm-hmm. to use whatever they see in their systems to connect better, to understand better, and then uh, to do the right decisions. What advice would you give to supply chain leaders that are struggling with, I don't know, building resilience, doing the day-to-day job and trying to create a future that is, you know, a, a transformative future, a future building transformation. Uh, because sometimes I hear that you can't do both, you know, it's, it's difficult to create a big digital transformation initiative when you are busy trying to get your goods from A to B, you know, what advice yeah. would you give? I agree to the view what you described last. I think it's very difficult to do both. Um, mm. So I have separated my my leadership team a bit more in, in, in global functions who, who need to work on orchestration, on innovation, right. on driving things forward um, and, and just slightly being involved in, in the day-to-day business and in, in more That's interesting. functions uh, who really focus on, on heavy execution and, and on operational excellence. And this helps us at the end, they're all working together as one, as one global supply chain leadership team. So it helps to not create an ivory tower and, and yeah. some operational parts, but it helps as well very much to, to, to focus on the right topics and to do both in parallel. Oh, that, 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 you know what, that's really interesting because that allows you then to, um, to not keep your eye off the ball, to not keep your eye off the ball with regards to innovation and change. Because I hear that all the time. I hear people saying, Maria, I would love to take on a big project and I don't know, implement this new fantastic technology that'll make things faster, but I'm so busy executing. Um, and you find, is that, is that a new initiative? Have you always had that two people or two different, you know, separating those functions out or is, is that something that you're just starting? Yeah. So it was, if I remember a bit, my, my, my work life, it was every time my approach to separate this a bit, um, to have really um, different, different parts of the organization focus on, on different um, activities. 
for Olympus, it was new. Um, we, we had everything intensively mixed um, before, and, and we see already how much it helps us to really have people who have time to to think about um, how we can improve, um, to, to gain sufficient outside-in knowledge, um, to, to connect with other companies, understanding how they are doing, working in, in those networks. And, and on the other hand, people who work very, very intensively on really day-to-day -day operational excellence. And what the good thing is for me as well in, in, in such a setup, you can very good work with career passes. For instance, so people who who are operational experts um, can develop further on to using this operational excellence, but then moving, for instance, in a in an innovative position or in a in a process um, development position, and vice versa. Somebody who's very good in in, in, in driving or in creating processes, driving processes, then you can maybe put on a leadership position in the operational business, and so that's a very good. Um, exchange as well as different mindsets um, to make sure that we have the right capabilities on, on both sides of this organization. I would imagine, I know the answer to this that we're going to say to me already, but I imagine communication between these two parties is essential to sort of bring Absolutely. everything forward. Yeah, Absolutely. Every, every innovation leader has a core expert team mm. of, of operational key users um, and so on. Um, otherwise, yeah, otherwise you have the, um, the tendency to create ivory towers and um, yeah. you can never use it in the organization. But this connection with the, with the, with the core groups um, works very well. Are you hopeful for uh, the future in supply chain or for the supply chain profession? Oh, absolutely. Um, I read an article, I don't know, I don't know, I can't remember where it was. So supply chain is a new, was it a new finance? Um, or the new, <laughs> uh, at the end, describe yeah, I know what you mean. So everybody is, is looking at supply chain. Everybody is asking um, about what is supply chain uh, want, want to understand. And, and I think um, for me, supply chain is, if you see it in a broader extent and, and, and think about um, manufacturing, so plant source make deliver the whole um, part mm -hmm. of what you have in supply chain and, and this is strong customer focus and supplier understanding. For me, this is where we will create future leader of, of organizations um, because yeah. this integrated mindset um, is something what you will definitely need um, if you want to run a, a business successfully in the future. Even today. Having a core understanding of the supply chain, I think, is going to be fundamental for any CEO moving forward, to be honest. Agree. Agree. And, and, and I think we could hopefully see, this. here's a prediction coming, then the next five to 10 years, maybe even sooner, the next five years, most CEOs will start to have a background or come from a supply chain background. Whereas before it was an exception, we would all celebrate and say, oh, look at that CEO. He's, he's from supply chain. Now I think it'll be a fundamental part. Even not in the logistics companies, the CEOs. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, we will see this um, much more often. Yeah, because I think if you look about it, we live in a disruptive world. And if there's one good talent that supply chain people have is that resilience and adaptability and and the ability yeah. to, to change quickly. Well, you know what, Nico, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for chatting with us. And um, I'm sure we'll see you again in, in, in other podcasts. Thanks a lot for the talk. I really, really enjoyed this um, and looking forward to further interactions as well with the Supply Chain Coalition. Yeah, lovely. Yes, thank you. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.